This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. It's Wednesday, August 24th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily. I'm Brennan Marcello. Nebraska opens up the college football season in week zero against Northwestern, a team that it demolished last season. But the Huskers move into yet another year of a lot of people consider make or break for head coach Scott Frost, who enters this year with a 15-29 record, and last season was 3-9. and nine. Eight of those games, our losses, were by one possession, an FBS record. The pressure is on, and there is nothing more important in Week 0 than Nebraska against Northwestern in Dublin, Ireland. To talk about that game and just the big year that this is for the Nebraska Cornhuskers, we bring on Brian Christofferson of Husker 24-7. Brian, I think everybody knows this is a critical year for the Scott Frost era, but what does this year mean as far as just the future of Nebraska football? Yeah, I mean, Scott Frost is 15-29 and 29 as Nebraska's head coach, so let's be honest, not many guys would still be around with that record. Uh, He's had a long runway, but we're now to that point where everybody, I think, sort of nods their head in agreement. It's now time or it's not, it's not happening, you know? And so uh, last year, you mentioned the three and nine season, they played a week zero game against Illinois on the road. And uh, there was a lot of pressure. Everybody was saying, oh, you got to handle your business or, you know, this could be it. And they played uptight and they lost Illinois. And there was a basically a rain cloud over Lincoln, Nebraska, before the rest of college football had even started. And it just kind of hung over the whole season. And so here we are again, another week zero. And there's sort of that same feeling in the air, like it's got to happen. They've got to get some wind behind their backs. And if they do, there's an opportunity. People have looked at the roadmap and seen that Nebraska has sort of a favorable schedule. And there's an opportunity to be 3-0 and going into the Oklahoma game. And, you know, you can talk yourself into 6-1 and and that type of start. So it's there, but Nebraska's got to do the little things they have not specialized in for years. And that's special teams. That's uh, the turnover margin category. And uh, we'll get to Casey Thompson, I'm sure. But, you know, they got to have a QB who just uh, is shrewd and knows when to live for the next play and knows and can then make a play on a, on a third down when you got to have it. It seemed like forever all we were talking about was Adrian Martinez. And as you mentioned, we got you know Casey Thompson coming in. How does Casey Thompson change that offense? I mean, you see what you hear in the preseason, the talk of him and what he was able to do at Texas. He leaves there, kind of saw the writing on the wall with Quinn Ewers coming in and others. But he's coming in Nebraska, and this guy handles himself so well. 
that's got to be kind of rubbing off on the rest of the team. Yeah, and I mean, the thing about Casey, he's got a lot uh, he wants to prove because last year he wasn't initially the starter at Texas. He got it like in week three, and then he was kind of rolling. Had an amazing game, as people remember, against Oklahoma where he threw for 388 yards, five touchdowns, and he hits his hand on a Oklahoma player's helmet. Has a pretty severe thumb injury, which looking back at it, it's kind of amazing he played through. Yeah. He had a procedure on it after the spring here in Lincoln. He thinks he's a different man because of it. The coaches around here say he's throwing it with more zip and all that. But you're right. To your question, he does bring sort of he's been in front of the he's had the 12 cameras aimed at him. You know, he's he's used to fielding the postgame questions at a big time program where there's a lot of expectations. And so I think last year's experience at Texas, even though it didn't go well for them win loss wise, uh, was pretty valuable for him individually. And, you know, let's be honest, he probably thinks he could have been the guy to help that program down there, too, uh, if they would would have kind of stuck stuck that way. So I'm sure he wants to show some people he's got the goods. And, uh, you know, he's a he's about 24 years old. So you're kind of banking on that experience early in this season to sort of uh, help this team that has a lot of new parts and a new coaching staff and sort of be the calming influence and a guy who just uh, has been there, done that. Yeah, a lot of turnover on the offensive staff uh, after last season and really during the season near the end of the year. You bring in Casey Thompson, as we mentioned, but also I wonder, what does he have to work with offensively? Is the offensive line going to be able to hold up and be consistent enough? What's going on at running back? And then the receivers, there certainly does seem to be some some talent there. This is where Nebraska is the fascinating mystery team. And I, of course, I'm biased because I cover them. So you're locked in on it. But I think any just onlooker at college football, they've got all these sort of new parts where it could be really good. But you have no idea. Like Trey Palmer could be their top receiver. He was at LSU. He can take the top off of defense. He's one of those guys who he's kind of stuck behind, like, the great receivers that LSU had, your Justin Jeffersons, and I mean, four or five NFL guys. Uh, so he wants to show what he can do. And, Marcus, Casey, and Casey Thompson said he he compares him to Xavier Worthy at Texas, which is quite high praise. Yeah, he said he has the same speed caliber, even was a little faster. That'd be an interesting race. We'd see about that. But Marcus Washington coming from Texas, another guy like that, that is probably Nebraska's second wide receiver. Running back, They've got like three or four guys they really like, maybe even more than that. But sort of that bit of skepticism that creeps in is, do you have that RB1? You know, do you have that guy who, when the chips are down, Big Ten play late October, early November, eight minutes left, you can lean on him for five, six carries, and you know he's going to get it done. They A guy like Anthony Grant, I'll mention him because some uh, listeners might recognize him. He started his career at Florida State, went through the Juco route. He could be one of the leading running backs. So that's why this seems so interesting. But with the offensive line, there's a lot of kind of uh, different parts there. There's two six-year seniors on the interior, but then they've got uh, a young guy at left tackle and Teddy Prohaska. Bryce Benhart was kind of a big-time recruit, has been inconsistent, but they need him to be solid at right tackle. And so the big question always around Husker football is, can you get back to the days where you're not running your QB like they were all the time with Adrian Martinez, but you're handing it to the eye back? You're getting four or five yards, and then that grows as the game goes on. That's been a missing ingredient for a while here, and I think they're they're hoping that uh, that sort of materializes with the new pieces. More on the Nebraska Cornhuskers after this. Defensively, quite a few. I mean, team captain. Pretty much every team captain is a defensive guy. Is that 
the strength this year, or is that just kind of where the leadership is? You know, Bat, if you had asked me about Nebraska's defense in the spring, I would have said not a good feel. Their defensive line at that time was very thin to me. But since then, they've added O'Shawn Mathis um, out of TCU, one of the better players I think that was available in the portal, who had, you know, had 15 and a half sacks during his TCU career. Devin Drew is just a solid guy who came up from Texas Tech. He was a late camp arrival, but he's here. Stephon Wynn was a guy in the interior of the D-line who was at Alabama. So again, a lot of portal guys, Tommy Hill, for those who follow the recruiting close, a cornerback, four-star guy who was at Arizona State. I think as they've sort of went through camp, they can be better than I anticipated like four months ago. And the reason I give them a shot is I think they have their best pass rushing presence they've had in a few years because of O'Shawn Mathis, but not just him, because of Caleb Tanner, one of those captains, uh, Garrett Nelson, who I think you probably talked to at Big Ten Media Days and is just sort of one of those captain Red Bull guys who seems like he's always had you know a six-pack in the morning of that. I think those guys can get some heat on the QB. And ideally for Nebraska, maybe they they cause some turnovers and are more opportunistic defensively than they've been. Last year, all those close losses, it's incredible, heartbreaking. And, you know, you mentioned at Big Ten Media, I was talking to the players about how, you know, I think even uh, Nelson told me that, I said, what was it like every Saturday? And he said, it's it like getting kicked in the balls yeah. every Saturday. Um, <laughs> because of the way they lost, it was heartbreaking. And I remember uh, particularly the the Michigan game. That was could have been such a huge moment for, for the program. But how do you turn that even half of those games into victories because you do that you know nebraska is a seven win team last year potentially maybe even better was that program in nebraska last year capable of being a maybe an eight win or nine win team what went wrong and does that translate into this year are they able to transfer that into maybe an eight win team this season you'll see some people set like an over under on nebraska like seven and a half wins and some who are driving by will be like how the heck? They were three yeah. and nine last year. The reason is um, their metrics last year in almost all categories would suggest they were more like a six or seven win team, probably. Uh, I mean, let's take the Michigan State game. It was really, I think, a game that sort of uh, propelled the Spartans last year, kind of earlier in the season. Nebraska dominated the second half. Michigan State had like 12 yards of offense, didn't get a first down. And Nebraska punted the ball the wrong way from their coverage. And the guy, you know, runs like he's in the park, 60 yards for a touchdown, ties the game with five minutes left, and they lose in overtime, despite not giving up a first down in the second half. I mean, just sort of mind-boggling stuff you've, like, never seen covering a team would happen to them. And it was always something different. But special teams is a big part of it. They believe they lost two or three games because they were just inept, like with kicking, with punting, that piece of it. And so they've went out, they've added a scholarship punter and kicker. You know how that goes. I mean, a guy could be good one year at that a, a place kicker, and then, you know, he gets the yips and he's not the next. So we'll see. But they, they've tried to address that. They now have a new special teams coordinator. So they're hoping that's worth a couple. And then the schedule, I don't love to be a guy who just plays the schedule card over and over again. But last year, Nebraska's crossover games were Ohio State, Michigan, and a Michigan State team that before the year we didn't know was going to be what they were, but, you know, ended up 11 wins. This year, it's Michigan, but it's also Rutgers and Indiana. And not to demean those programs, but people look at that and they say, those are opportunities. Maybe those are two wins if you play good ball that weren't there last year. And so when you stack kind of 
a couple different pieces together. And if you think you get, you know, more consistent QB play as far as not turning it over as much in key moments, that's why some people will talk themselves into. And it's not the most unreasonable thing that this team that won three games could be like a seven or eight win or whatever team this year. So that's sort of the, uh, I guess, the a summary of why people might be confused when they see an over-under on Nebraska, but that's why it is what it is. Yeah, you're exactly right. And it's it's just crazy. You watch some of those games and just how Nebraska lost them. Uh, it was mind-boggling. It was almost as like the college football gods were up there like, let's just watch this one game, Nebraska, when they play, and let's throw every bad luck item we can at them until something goes wrong. So this is a team, I mean, you just look on paper, not to get like buried in the weeds, but they should be 3-0 and going into OU. Let's face it. So can they beat OU? It's in Lincoln. It's a big noon kickoff. Can they beat the Sooners? You know, I'm not just going to like pick Nebraska here right now, but I would say one thing that could work for them. If, if, if they handle Northwestern, and I know Northwestern stunk last year, but Pat Fitzgerald sometimes will, <laughs> you, you don't know what's going on over there, you know, and all of a sudden they're, this team that's picked last wins like seven games or something. So, I think Nebraska's on guard for that game, and they know that it's going to swing the mood dramatically one way or the other. But if they take care of that, they play North Dakota at home the next week and Georgia Southern. And so, yes, there's a very good chance they could be 3-0. and I think the case to be made uh, that they could, uh, they could push OU, last year they did. I mean, last year in Norman, uh, everybody thought going in they were going to get a boat race, and Nebraska's defense shut them down for the first half. Really, special teams again killed them, and they lost 23-16 to in a game that was pretty even. And so this year, I think the thought is, well, if Nebraska gets 3-0, and 2-3-0, and and Oklahoma comes in 2-0, and this is sort of Venerable's first big game. Like, you know, first big test as the head coach there. They're kind of in transition, and there is that chance where maybe there's a little more pressure on Oklahoma in that case, you know, where Nebraska's playing. I always hate the house money line with a team, you know, a big program. But Nebraska's season is not, like, disrupted if they lose a tight game to Oklahoma, you know. They could carry on and do well in the Big Ten. So I think the opportunity is there to be pretty loose going into that game. If they're three and zero, if they lose to Northwestern or something, and they're two and one, then that changes everything. And there's pressure on Frost to win, you know, get a win like that. So handle your business. And Nebraska should go into that with a pretty good mind space, I would think, as far as you know, a team that could pull an upset and and like nothing to lose, sort of. Okay, so Scott Frost is the head coach at Nebraska in 2023. If they haven't put a direct win total on it or anything like that, but I always tell people. And I don't think this should be far-fetched at all. Nebraska's sort of been out of the West Division race, like, by mid-November the last few years. Like, not even in the conversation. Not even, like, one of those teams you put on the graphic and say, okay, if they do this and you do this, you you win the thing. You should never be in that situation in the West. Like, you should at least be in the mix where, like, a few things can happen. And maybe you're going to surprise people down the stretch. But if those things did occur, you could win it. I feel like that's where they need to be. If I wouldn't put a win total on it, but I feel like in November 15th or so, you have to look at the final couple weeks and Nebraska shouldn't be mathematically eliminated from the race with the schedule they have. It's natural to look at like Michigan and Oklahoma and kind of circle those games for Nebraska. The key games are going to be Indiana, October 1st, Rutgers, October 7th, Purdue is like one of those, if you want two dark horse teams on October 15th, like someone kind of puts their head out and says, we're in this race too. 
those are the games that's going to impact Frost era. What what is said in November about him more than some of these ones that we like to talk about the most. Nebraska, one of the more intriguing teams in all of college football this season. Make sure you go to Husker twenty four seven to keep tabs with them. And of course, Nebraska and Northwestern take center stage here in Week Zero at twelve thirty Eastern time on Fox as we open up the college football season on Saturday. For our producer Lance Glenn, I'm Brandon Marcello. Thanks once again for listening to the College Football Daily. We'll talk to you Friday.